0: Hello and welcome to the Heiress of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Mikaela, your host. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 20 of the Heiress of Slytherin podcast. Today, I'm going to be discussing the Sorcerer's Stone, both book and movie. Some of the differences, similarities, what I liked, what I didn't like, that kind of thing. Now, to kind of get into the news and stuff like that... I was going to be posting an episode discussing the second Fantastic Beasts trailer for The Secrets of Dumbledore that was supposed to be revealed on Thursday, February 24th. However, the Fantastic Beasts Twitter account tweeted on February 24th that the eagerly awaited Fantastic Beasts The Secrets of Dumbledore trailer will not be revealed today. More to come very soon. Thank you for your patience. And the postponement of this trailer is reportedly due to the ongoing crisis in Ukraine. So a lot of thoughts and prayers going to the people who are living over there and who are living through this. And there has not been a new date for the trailer yet. No announcements or anything like that. And whenever that new trailer does come out and I analyze it and get my notes on it, I will record an episode for it. And so on Monday last week... Jude Law, who plays young Dumbledore in Fantastic Beasts series, he did encourage fans to kind of join Dumbledore's first army, which is what it's being called right now. Kind of like in Order of the Phoenix, Harry creates Dumbledore's army. This is like his first army, kind of. It's like a play on words from the series, which we know and love, Harry Potter. And he encouraged fans to submit anything Dumbledore-related. So. This means tattoos, fan art, cosplay, pictures, quotes, things like that. And of course, that's not happening yet either. And whenever Fantastic Beast decides to release the new trailer and kind of puts out their statements and things like that, maybe they'll do the same thing, just inviting fans to share their Dumbledore-related art, tattoos, things like that. Until then, there isn't really much new Harry Potter news, so I'm going to get into the social medias. If you want to email me for this podcast, the email is the Podcast at gmail.com. Twitter page is at SlytherinPod. Facebook page is the Heiress of Slytherin Podcast. And on the Anchor link, you can donate to this podcast, leave me a voice message. And all the platforms this podcast are available on are Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. It would mean so much if you could leave a review, subscribe on whichever platform you listen from, and spread the word. So last episode, I talked about the last chapter of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. This was called The Man with Two Faces. It was the 17th chapter of the first book, and a really good conclusion. I absolutely love the first book. I mean, I love all the books and movies, So I'm a little bit biased when it comes to saying I love Harry Potter. But I really do enjoy the first book a lot. And I think that the first movie is a fantastic adaptation. I would say probably the first and second. I mean, if I have to choose one, maybe the first. I would say that they're extremely accurate um, portrayals. The first movie is an extremely accurate portrayal of that first book. Just the world building and everything. And it sets up the series for such a great setting. I mean, Chris Columbus, the director, did a fantastic job with just everything. Getting the casting together, Stuart Craig, the production designer, did a beautiful job on the sets, the Quidditch pitch, all the locations they shot at, like the special effects, everything. I think it's just fantastic and it's just a great first film. And even if you don't read the books, if you're coming to this podcast, reading the books for the first time, or you just don't read the books and you've only seen the movies, I think that... The Sorcerer's Stone, the first movie, is just a great start to the series, regardless of whether you've read the books or haven't read the books, or if you've seen the movies and are reading the books after. I think it's just a perfect way to set up the series for the big screen. So I don't remember the first time that I saw Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I know that I didn't see it in theaters because I did ask my mom recently, and she says that she didn't take me to see it in theaters. I was about three when it was released in theaters. So the first time I ever watched it was probably at home on DVD or something like that. And since then, like in my whole life, I've watched every single Harry Potter movie way more times than I can count, some more than others, but I have seen Sorcerer's Stone so, so many times. And recently, in the fall, a few months ago, my local movie theater was doing... Like showing Harry Potter movies again like on the big screen for like five dollars for the whole month of like September or October or something like that. And I did go see Sorcerer's Stone twice because I was able to go to both showings when they were showing that particular movie. So I have seen the Sorcerer's Stone in theaters. It just wasn't 20 years ago when it first came out. For this episode I'm not going to talk about every single little minor difference but I am going to talk about the things that I liked and didn't like or I think they should have included or I thought were a welcome change to the canon material in the novel. So for one thing the appearances of the characters. I mean everyone's pretty much for the most part accurate and the casting really is perfect. I mean for instance... Harry in the novel has green eyes, and his actor, Daniel Radcliffe, has blue eyes. They did try to put contacts in Daniel Radcliffe, but his eyes just did not work well with them at all, so they decided to just leave him with blue eyes. Hermione in the books is um, or buck-toothed, and Emma Watson wasn't, and they did put fake teeth in her, and she had them in for one scene, but they just kind of didn't work either, so there are a few differences, things like that. I mean... Snape, Severus Snape, he is played by Alan Rickman, who at the time was, I think, in his 50s when he started filming, and Snape was supposed to be 31. Same with Harry's parents, Lily and James Potter. They are casted by actors that are older than what their characters were playing, and it's noticeable. I don't think it's something. That is such a huge gripe, like throughout the series it's kind of like, okay, the Marauders are a lot older than they're actually supposed to be in the books, like Lupin, Sirius, things like that. But the actors that play these characters are so perfect for the role that it really doesn't matter to me very much and to other fans as well. Just because of how amazing they are at acting with for their character, what they bring to life on the screen for their character, so... It's not really something that truly bothers me about the films at all. So first difference right away, first chapter. The book starts off with Vernon Dursley, Harry's uncle, and it kind of follows him throughout a day at work, seeing all these weird things, all these shooting stars and people dressed funny in outfits, celebrating, talking about weird stuff. And those are, of course, wizards, and they're celebrating the defeat of Voldemort, and Then later on in that chapter Dumbledore arrives at Privet Drive and he waits for Hagrid to come and drop off Harry and McGonagall's there and all that but in the movie that's what the movie starts off with. We don't see Vernon throughout the day hearing about all these wizards doing stuff. In the movie it's just McGonagall, Dumbledore, and Hagrid. I mean Hagrid arrives and he brings baby Harry but the three of them are there so although it's still pretty accurate to the movie or sorry to the book i do think it would have been kind of cool to see from Vernon's point of view like at the beginning kind of seeing what was going on like the random shooting stars and people dressed all funny and celebrating and muggles having no idea what they were celebrating or what was going on or why all these weird people were kind of walking about so i think that would have been cool to see But I also understand that it wasn't necessary to the overall storyline, the plot, to how the movie was telling the story. It would have added to it for sure, but of course a movie can't be like 20 hours long. So I think it'll be really cool for years down the road whenever someone makes a new Harry Potter series that the series will kind of start off with that and add to... How much of a relief that the Wizarding World is now free or so they think that they're free of Voldemort and his reign of terror and all that. I think it'd be cool to see the joy and excitement and all that of the Wizarding World. Something else that we get in the book is a little bit more background to Harry's life with the Dursleys, his really dreary, awful life. How they mistreat him, how he's bullied at school by his cousin and his friends and all of that. Again... Not completely necessary, but it still would have been interesting to see. So then skipping a little bit, a few chapters forward, the one of the most iconic, famous lines in the entire Harry Potter series from the movies is, you're a wizard, Harry, when Hagrid tells him that. In the book, he says, Harry, you're a wizard. And it doesn't have the quite the same ring to it. So I kind of like that change. It probably wasn't something... That the screenwriter, Steve Clovis, was really, you know, like, oh, I'm going to change this and make it really different because it's not. But I do like the way that Robbie Coltrane, the actor, plays Hagrid, how he delivers that line and how the music starts to play in the background, how perplexed Harry is. I do like that part a lot. The next thing that I kind of question in the movie is at the Leaky Cauldron in Diagon Alley. When Hagrid and Harry arrive there and all these wizards are like, oh, it's Harry Potter. I want to shake his hand. I want to meet him and everything. In the movie, Quirrell, Professor Quirrell, is already wearing that purple turban. In the books, he is not wearing a turban yet. So for me, this is just misleading to the, the moviegoer. Not to the fan who's already read the book and then is seeing the movie. But if you're only watching the movies, it's a little bit confusing it would be confusing to you, and here's why. Voldemort doesn't actually attach to the back of Quirrell's head until after that day, until after Quarrel breaks into Gringotts and fails to retrieve the Sorcerer's Stone. It's after that day that Voldemort's like, okay, I need to keep a closer eye on you. That's when he attaches to the back of Quirrell's head and that's when Coral starts wearing the turban before school starts. In the movie, Coral's already wearing the turban, so it makes it seem like Voldemort's already there on the back of his head, which is not the case. I mean, it doesn't make or break the story at all, but I do think that to the moviegoer, it could be a little bit confusing if you haven't read the books because you're not going to be understanding that... Quarrel failed so miserably that Voldemort was like, okay, I need to be here now 24-7 at all times. The next thing in Diagon Alley that happens in the book is that Harry meets Draco Malfoy for the first time. Harry just instantly dislikes him. I mean, in the movie, he also instantly dislikes him, but I think it would have been cool to see that Harry and Malfoy meet a little bit earlier on before school in Madame Malkins while they're getting the robes fitted in the film, they meet just before they go into the Great Hall. So, yes, I do like that scene a lot in the movies, but it would have been cool to see Draco and Harry meet for the first time in Diagon Alley here, and then later on, Malfoy knows that he's actually the Harry Potter. I just think it would have been something cool to see in the movie. But again, this is also a movie that can't go on forever. It needs to have like a smaller running length of running time, so a show would be better what you have an episode or two for you know a few chapters and that's where you can kind of explain everything better let the story play out a little bit more and that would have been in a show would have been a really good scene to do something else about the books is that on the Hogwarts Express there's more interaction so Harry isn't only talking to Ron and then Hermione Harry talks to Malfoy Crab and Goyle are there he talks to the Weasley twins Neville's there as well at one point with Hermione, so not a big thing at all, but it would have been kind of cool to see those interactions where he's meeting them for the first time on the Hogwarts Express rather than when they're already at school. Something else that happens throughout this movie and throughout all of the eight Harry Potter movies, honestly, is that different characters say quotes than the actual characters who say them in the book. For instance, with the Sorcerer's Stone, in the book, Hagrid is the one who says that there's not a single wizard who was in Slytherin that didn't go bad, or something along those lines. In the movie, Ron is the one that says this to Harry. Again, not really an issue, not really anything bad. However, when this does happen in different movies, Ron says quotes in the books about you know, just creatures or things or spells, just knowledge he has growing up as a wizard in a full wizarding family. Hermione grows up as a muggle. She does know a lot through her research and reading, but she doesn't know everything. Neither does Ron, but he did grow up with magic. That's all he's ever known. And so there are some quotes from Ron in the books explaining some like things to Harry that he would obviously know growing up in um, a wizarding family. In the movies, Hermione is the one that says some of these things. Not really a big deal, but sometimes it's kind of like, why would like why couldn't Ron just say that? But in this part with the quote about Slytherins, it doesn't really matter to me that Ron said it instead of Hagrid. So up until this point in the movie, where during the sorting ceremony, where the first years are getting sorted into their Hogwarts houses... I think the movie is absolutely beautiful. Just seeing Hogwarts for the first time, all the students in Wonder, it's really great. Love the way they did it. All the music is already so good. So really no complaints throughout the whole movie, but that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Something else about the books that the movies lack is more Neville. Yeah, Neville's in the movies, but in the Sorcerer's Stone book, Neville is with the trio, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, before they're officially the trio um he's with them when they go to the third floor corridor because they're all out of bed at night Harry and Ron are supposed to be Malfoy for a duel but Malfoy set them up and tipped Filch off Hermione was waiting for them in the common room because she didn't want them to go and get Gryffindor in trouble Neville was locked outside the portrait hole because he forgot the password and they all ended up getting locked out so Harry and Hermione or sorry Neville and Hermione go with Harry and Ron and that's how they end up at the third floor corridor, seeing Fluffy and all that. However, in the movies, it's just Harry, Ron, Hermione kind of on the staircases and they change and end up at the third floor corridor and they're hiding from Filch. And, you know, it's they're hiding from Filch in the book too, but it's different circumstances. So, so again, nothing super major, but I do, would have liked to see Neville a little bit more here he would have done a really good job acting all scared the actor was great that played him Matthew Lewis so another thing about Fluffy the three-headed dog in the book Hagrid says that he got him from a Greek man which makes sense because Cerberus the Greek mythology legends the three-headed dog the guard dog of the underworld and in the movies Hagrid says he got it from an Irish man Irish fellow whatever he says I mean To me, that's something that's such an unnecessary change because I like Greek mythology a lot. And I just was like, why? Once I was older and knew about Greek mythology and everything, I was kind of like, what? He didn't get it from an Irish person? Like, you know, not a huge deal. It's just a one-word change, Greek and Irish. But I think it would have been cool to kind of keep it Greek. Something else that I want to mention now that I'm thinking about Hagrid is that in the movie, he takes Harry on his birthday night from the Dursleys when they're in the middle of the sea on that rock and goes to Diagon Alley with him and then it's like that next day that they're ready at King's Cross. In the books, in reality, it's Harry's birthday July 31st. They don't leave for Hogwarts until September 1st so Harry has like the whole month of August still at home with the Dursleys and that's when they give him Dudley's second bedroom and all this stuff and Completely unnecessary. We did not need to see that in the movies at all. So I'm kind of glad they kept it like that. And that way we get a little bit more Hagrid because we honestly don't want more Dursleys. But just one thing I thought of now as I was talking about Hagrid. One thing that I absolutely love in the book is Christmas Day. Now I do really like it in the movie too. And once again, you can't show every single detail in the movie for the sake of time. But I absolutely loved the Christmas chapter. That whole Christmas day, it's Harry's like best day of his life kind of so far up until that point. Like it's just amazing. He has so much fun with the Weasleys and with the Christmas feast and he has presents. And it's just really cool to see in the book. Again, sake of time, you're not going to see everything in the movie, but I really loved it in the book. And in the movie, we only see Harry get one present, that invisibility cloak. And I do like the way it's done in the movie. I love seeing little Harry's excitement and him and Ron downstairs in the common room. But I also do love just the whole chapter in the book where it's described in detail the feast and what he does throughout the day. Another small difference is that in the movie, Hermione is the one who finds Nicholas Flamel. So although this isn't untrue, she does not find him in the book. But in the movie, Hermione finds his name in a huge book while her and Harry and Ron are in the library looking, reading. And in the books, yeah, in the movies, it's kind of implied they've been searching for weeks. But in the books, it's actually stated they've been searching for weeks and have not been able to find his name. However, in the book, Harry sees a chocolate frog card and sees Nicholas Lamel's name. And it's like, that's where I remember the name from. And Hermione's like, oh, of course. And then she goes and grabs a book because it kind of reminds her of something else. So I do like the way they did it in the movie because it's funny that Ron's like, this is light because Hermione says that she checked out a huge book for a bit of light reading. Like, it's a comical moment in the movie. But in the book, I like how it's not just Hermione finding all the answers. It's a little bit of help from everyone, mostly Harry and Hermione at that point but I like how it's more of a team effort. In the book the trio also helps Hagrid a lot with Norbert. In the movie they go to Hagrid's hut at night when the egg is hatching and then Malfoy sees the egg hatching through a window in Hagrid's hut and then they get in trouble blah blah blah, and then later on Hagrid kind of says that he was taken off to Romania. Norbert the egg. However in the book... Harry, Ron, and Hermione kind of go and help Hagrid for a few weeks with Norbert. Norbert gets bigger and eventually they have to kind of make that deal with Charlie. So his friends go pick up the dragon. Remember, Charlie is Ron's brother and he works in Romania with dragons. So that whole storyline of Ron's brother is just like taken out in the movie. And also in the book... Ron is in the hospital wing with a dragon bite from Norbert and Malfoy overhears the trio talking about how they're gonna be at the top of the astronomy shower at midnight to hand off the dragon and all that. And Malfoy goes to taunt Ron in the hospital wing about it and I mean it's unnecessary that storyline. I think the movie still did a good job of including Malfoy on on that detention and uh, kind of getting them all in trouble. But it still would have been kind of fun to see that extra bit with the dragon and the harness that Charlie's friends made for him and even just a mention of another one of Ron's brothers would have been kind of cool to see. In the book there is also a lot more with the centaurs, so in the movie and book Firenze is the one who saves Harry from Quirrell and Voldemort when they're in the Forbidden Forest. So that's a similarity between both the book and movie. However, in the book, they talk a lot more about the prophecy and how Mars is bright tonight, which meant war was coming because that's what the centaurs were interpreting in the stars. And the centaurs saw in the stars that Harry would die in the Forbidden Forest. And although they didn't specifically see the prophecy or even know the prophecy, they did know that something was going to happen with Harry and Voldemort because of the way it was written in the stars and how they saw it and interpreted it. So the centaurs did see that or know that Harry was going to die in the Forbidden Forest. And they got so mad at Five Rens in the book because they thought that he was interfering with Harry's death in the Forbidden Forest. However, Harry does die in the Forbidden Forest. It's just not until the very last book. So Harry does go to the Forbidden Forest to meet Voldemort to, because he's accepting that he has to die. He goes to be killed by Voldemort. So the centaurs do see in the stars Voldemort kill Harry in the Forbidden Forest. So they're not wrong about that. But they were wrong about the timing. They thought that it was going to be that night. And they thought that Firenze was interfering with it. However, he was not because Harry was still going to go to the forest to die, just not until years later. So really cool, big Easter egg in this book that, you know, it's like a blink and you'll miss it. I mean, I kind of missed it for years. You know, it wasn't until years after the seventh book came out that I kind of really made that connection. So super cool Easter egg and you know, the centaurs aren't huge in the books, they aren't huge in the movies either, but they have more of a presence in the books, of course, so this would have been kind of cool to see a little bit of explanation of, you know, the centaurs being really mad at Firenze in the movie for interfering with something because we didn't see that component in the movie scene. Another difference between the book and movie that I think would have been cool to see was, so we know that Dumbledore is the one that gifts Harry the invisibility cloak because Harry's dad lends the cloak to Voldemort before his death. So Dumbledore gives it to Harry for Christmas and then in the books Hermione and Harry accidentally forget the cloak at the top of the astronomy tower. And a little bit later Dumbledore is the one who returns it back to him. He puts it in his bed like under his pillow or something like that in the book. And I think it says with a note attached, just in case. So this shows that Dumbledore is helping Harry behind the scenes more than you think, more than you know. I mean, we don't really know this till later on, because in the last chapter, that's when Dumbledore is explaining some things to Harry. And that's when Harry starts to think like, okay, I think Dumbledore was giving me the tools and teaching me what I needed to know without directly and blatantly saying, here's what to do. So again, not anything that takes away from the movie, the plot in the movie or anything, but I do think it would have been cool to see that note again, like a second time giving the cloak back because then it's like, okay, this isn't just some wise old teacher. He's actually helping Harry. I think it would have been a little bit more valuable for moviegoers to see that so he doesn't just seem like just some smart genius that's a professor there. He's someone that's genuinely actively helping Harry a little bit more than you think. Something else I want to mention is that Peeves the Poltergeist is not in any of the movies. He was cast and I guess he did film a few scenes. The actor who was cast as him for the first movie. But all the scenes were cut. We haven't seen any of those scenes. Fans, um, they've never been released. So we haven't seen any peeves ever on screen yeah he's in all the books but you know again not something that takes away from the movies but it would have been a really cool addition to see peeves in the movie hermione is the one that's like all calm with the devil's snare and in the books she's not that she's completely like ron was in the movies all scared and freaking out and everything However, she kind of has—I don't know—a moment where she completely forgets that she's a witch. She is trying to remember, like, oh, okay, Devil's Snare in Herbology. Professor Sprout said that doesn't like sunlight, light, whatever. And she forgets that she's a wa- she's a witch because she's like, oh, I need to light a fire. And Ron's the one that screams at her and is like, like, are you have you gone mad? Are you a witch or not? That's like the exact line he screams at her, and it's really funny. So. That's another thing I really would have liked to see in the movies because it's such a funny line. But, I mean, Hermione in the movies is seems like she's almost infallible, kind of the way they make her out to be. So I don't dislike this scene, but I think it would have been cool to hear that line from Ron and kind of see Hermione have a moment where she's, you know, a little bit flustered. And also in the movie, it's more of like a sunshine spell, that Hermione does for Devil's Snare. In the book, it's fire. And in the book as well, Fluffy is not asleep already. In the movie, he is. Again, not a huge difference, just adds a little bit more action in the movie. In the movie as well, after the chess game, when they're the wizard's chess for Professor McGonagall's obstacle, there are two more obstacles before the stone. And Hermione goes with Harry for two more. The first one is a troll. Coral already knocked the troll out. And then the second one is the potions. And that's like the logic that Hermione uses. So again, doesn't take away too much from the overall movie. However, I do want to talk about it because I think it would have been cool to see Hermione shine. I mean, she always does. But the fact that she was able to use logic and kind of really figure this out... And use her brains, which she's known for. But I, I did like that scene in the book because... Or I guess that part of the chapter not seen in the book. But I did like it because it also shows Harry and her working together. But Harry kind of also letting her do her own thing in order to help them in the end. Something else about the book in this part, Through the Trap Door is that all three of them go on broomsticks to kind of corner the key that needs to unlock the door for the next part. In the movie, it's just Harry using his Quidditch skills, which is cool. Nothing huge, just a minor difference that I wanted to point out. But that was before the wizard's chess and the troll and also the potions just now. Something that was in the movie that kind of does bother me a little bit is that once Harry is through all the doors and he sees Quirrell there and Quirrell takes off his turban and reveals Voldemort in the back of his head and they're talking and all that, Lily and James, Harry's parents, appear in the Mirror of Erised. And that doesn't happen in the book and in the movie, Voldemort's like, we can bring them back, just give me the stone. Like, no. Voldemort would never... I don't think Voldemort would ever say that. All he's telling Harry in the book is that... Give me the stone so they didn't die in vain. Like, okay. I mean, I don't really like that part of the book either. But, I mean, you know, it's his first encounter with Voldemort that Harry can remember. He doesn't really remember too much from when he was a baby besides that flash of green light. But I think that in the movie, it was kind of weird that he said that. I don't know. Maybe it was just to kind of show Harry having or in the middle of a moral dilemma and having to kind of choose between you know something that's not a possibility and something that's just giving up the stone to the wizard that's trying to kill you and will kill almost everyone else so yeah no spell can bring back the dead he's not gonna actually bring back his parents because I don't know I don't know why that was a decision to have that line be in the movie but it was I think it could have done without it. I think it would have been fine to just have Voldemort still telling Harry, don't let your parents die, death have been in vain and all that. In the book, Quirrell's death is a little bit different. He is, I guess, in the movie, he is like falling apart, crumbling, almost like he's like turning into rock and dirt and all that. In the in the book, he is blistering. And with that blistering in the book, he doesn't let go of Harry. Dumbledore is the one who pulls Quirrell off of Harry. Harry doesn't really see that because he's fainting, he's passing out. But in the movie, Quirrell just eventually like crumbles to the point where he can't really hold Harry. Like he lets go, his body's just like crumbling, and it's just like dirt, just like falls, and then that's like it Harry kind of passes out it's almost like the spirit of Voldemort some wispy smoke figure kind of flies out of the room threw Harry out of the room that's how he passes out so that death is a little bit different than in the book in the book it's that blistering body and Quirrell is pulled off of Harry by Dumbledore and Quirrell dies of his wounds of his burns in the movie he just kind of crumbles to death so a little bit different there I personally would have liked to see Dumbledore pull Coral off of Harry and then Harry kind of passed out that way. I mean, this is all Harry's point of view in the movie up to this point, so we're not going to see, you know, the stuff he doesn't see. But I do think that it would have been cool to at least see Dumbledore kind of pull him off there, Harry passed out, and then we can kind of see Harry waking up in the hospital wing the next scene. So in this chapter in the book, the last chapter when Dumbledore is in a hospital wing with Harry and they're having a long conversation, Harry's asking him some questions, learning some stuff. This is way more detailed and played out in the book than in the movie. Again, sake of time, you're not going to see everything in the movie, but there are some important things that really could have been clarified or would make more sense for people that only watch the movies. So... For instance, in the book, Dumbledore explains more to Harry that Snape was trying to save him because of a debt that he wanted to repay to James, his father. James did save his life when they were young at Hogwarts, and so he felt the need to repay the favor and save Harry's life to repay James' debt. Um, We learn more, too, in the book how much Snape hated James because that's like another little question that Harry has for Dumbledore he has so many other questions too and yeah in the movie it kind of does a good job at wrapping things up and explaining them but also in the book it sets up this character of Dumbledore how he can't answer everything for Harry he Not that he can't, he just chooses not to, and it kind of shows some flaws and everything. And although you don't really notice them too much in this particular chapter, in a few books, you do. You start to wonder, like, what is he doing? Did he know this? Did he keep this from Harry? Like, you know, and I think it's, it's good to kind of show that side of his character. Now, we don't see that all in the movie, and I do like this final scene with Dumbledore and Harry in the hospital wing. But I also like it in the book because it gives a little bit more insight to the series and to Harry and Voldemort and how there is some sort of connection there. Now in the book, Hagrid goes and visits Harry in the hospital wing and that's when he gives him the book of pictures of his parents. And Ron and Hermione also go to see Harry in the hospital wing. This would have been cool to see in the movie and I think it would have been a really good opportunity to kind of explain things and wrap things up for any loose ends or things that might have been a little bit confusing for uh only moviegoers just to kind of be like yeah I t- this is what happened with Quirrell and like he kind of started blistering and like burned and I fainted and Dumbledore was one who got me um you know just kind of explaining some things like that would have been good not necessary because I don't think this is a confusing movie in general but you know if you don't know everything about Harry Potter you're most likely going to have some questions because it's not all going to make sense and if it does all make sense chances are you don't understand it like you think you might and that's just because the movie doesn't fully explain everything of course it's not possible sake of time again but i think it would have been cool to see harry and hermione or sorry ron and hermione really frantic and eager to see harry in the hospital wing and talk to him about everything and make sure that he was okay And then at the end of the year feast when Slytherin won the House Cup and the rest of Hogwarts except for Snape and the Slytherins is all upset and, you know, all that and Dumbledore's giving out the points. I think that this scene in the movie is very true to the book. I think they did a really good job. I love how Dumbledore claps and the decorations change in the movie and just a really nice scene. And I love the music, the background, very well done scene. I have no complaints or anything about it because it was so good. Also the movie shows Hagrid give Harry the book of the pictures before he boards the Hogwarts Express instead of when he's in the hospital wing. And I do absolutely love this scene in the movies because I really love the line where Harry says, I'm not going home, not really. Because he's not. Hogwarts is his home. He's going home to the Dursleys. That's not his real home. They're terrible. His family's terrible to him. Hogwarts is his home. That's his world, his magical world with his friends and spells and all this cool stuff. So I love that scene in the movie and I love the music that plays. I'm telling you that score, it's called Leaving Hogwarts composed by John Williams is absolutely beautiful and it plays at this part in the movie. I'm telling you it is so beautiful and that also plays very last movie when Harry, Ron, Hermione are at King's Cross Station watching their kids board the Hogwarts Express to go to school. First movie their kids themselves leaving Hogwarts boarding the express the Hogwarts Express to train and go back home full circle ending years later watching their kids board the hogwarts express so and that's when that music plays again and it's towards the end it just zooms in on the faces of harry ron hermione and it's oh it's so beautiful with the music it's so emotional i love it it's like how can one song or music from something make you so happy and so sad at the same time that's how i feel about that music from leaving hogwarts is what it's called so absolutely beautiful and i love The way that scene is done in the movie. and that line. I'm not going home. Not really. Because, you know, Harry's not really going home. So, yeah. That kind of concludes my talk about that. Um, Overall, I think it's a fantastic adaptation. One of the best, if not the best, of the whole series. Just book to movie comparisons. Um, Really great job. I absolutely love it. So, really sad that I'm done talking about the Sorcerer's Stone. I mean, I'm still going to do episodes about certain themes in Sorcerer's Stone or certain questions, fun ideas, things like that. So I'm not completely done, but I am moving on to Chamber of Secrets. So I will be doing character profiles and things like that and talking about just so many things from this book and movie. But I am going to be moving on to Chamber of Secrets next week and starting with chapter one of that and talking about the full canon knowledge that we have of Harry Potter and how it connects to these earlier chapters. So same thing like I did for this book. So I will be talking about stuff from Sorcerer's Stone throughout the years. I mean, I plan to be doing this podcast for a really long time, just years and years of Harry Potter discussions and content and stuff like that. So definitely not completely dumb with Sorcerer's Stone in terms of I'm never gonna talk about it again. Because I am gonna talk about it again. But right now I am going to be starting all of my Chamber of Secrets notes and discussions and all that. And I'm super excited. I mean, I love all these books, but it's we're really getting into some extra intense stuff. So I'm so excited I get to start that. I also haven't reread Chamber of Secrets in about I want to say maybe like a year and a half, um, which is kind of a long time for me in between reading rereads of Harry Potter. So, really excited to get back into it and be reminded of some things. Also, this podcast is called The Heiress of Slytherin. The whole reason I got that name is from the Chamber of Secrets book slash movie, I guess, if you want to say. Just Chamber of Secrets in general. Because of The Heir of Slytherin. That is a phrase I guess you want to say um, in the Chamber of Secrets and me being in Slytherin house being a girl Eris of Slytherin it was kind of a cool name that I could think of for this podcast so I'm really excited to be starting for that reason and for just the general fact that I love Harry Potter and I'm really excited to be continuing this podcast and doing these episodes so next week I will be discussing chapter one of the Chamber of Secrets so make sure you read that in preparation And I'll also give another bonus episode whenever that second Fantastic Beast: The Secrets of Novedore trailer comes out. Again, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, we don't have any new news on that yet. No new release date for a new trailer. But once that is out, I will analyze it and record an episode on that. So very excited about that as well. But until then, just make sure you read the first chapter of The Chamber of Secrets. And don't let the muggles get you down. And also, let me know what you guys thought about the Sorcerer's Stone book versus movie. I mean, I also kind of could have been switching between Philosopher's Stone and Sorcerer's Stone throughout this podcast so far. But, you know, I'm in America right now and I grew up with it as Sorcerer's Stone, even though the rest of the world calls it Philosopher's Stone. But Philosopher's Stone slash so Sorcerer's Stone, let me know what you guys thought about the movie, about how compared to the book, did you like one better than the other, what you liked, didn't like, that kind of thing. i really like to know what you thought about it and where both the book and movie lie in your Harry Potter rankings. So let me know. I'd love to know get an email from you, whatever it is. And if you want to email me with that or any other questions, comments, concerns, things like that, my email is the podcast at gmail.com. My Twitter page is at Pod. Facebook page is the Aerosol Southern Podcast. And you can donate to this podcast through the Anchor link or leave video or, sorry, voice recordings that I can play on this podcast as well. And this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocketcasts. And it would mean so much if you would subscribe, leave a review on whichever platform you listen from, and just spread the word. That's the end of this week's episode. Thank you for listening to The Heiress of Slytherin. I'm Mikaela. Bye.